Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our uh, Thursday evening uh, virtual service, I guess you could call it. Um, I guess we're getting fairly used to this, uh, although I'm not interested in getting too used to it. Uh, staring at a camera is not uh, as enjoyable as getting to see all of your wonderful faces and being able to connect, but... We are continuing to manage, and I trust that you are as well. We are continuing to keep all of you in our prayers, trusting that God is being uh, an ever-present help in your circumstances and situation and the various ways in which you're having to deal with things and uh, the, the, the way all of this is affecting you. And... Um, I trust that you are keeping others in your prayers as well. So uh, I, I want to share, uh, got kind of two thoughts this evening, and to be honest, I'm not, not really sure if they're, uh, they're really connected. So we, we may just kind of have part one and part two, and I guess under the circumstances, um, things things are not normal, so... Um, I guess we don't have to be normal. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I, some of you perhaps, uh, maybe you use, I believe it's the uh, version Bible app. And uh, that's the, the main Bible app that I have on my, my phone. And uh, as I'm sure many of you are familiar with, it has a, a daily scripture. Um, and... Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how far in advance they choose those. I, I don't know the. I don't know the method behind uh, all of that. But I, I know there've been a few times, and not every day, uh, but there've been a couple of times where that that verse of the day was was a very timely verse for me. Um, I, I don't really think we should get too much into relying on sort of. Um, God speaking to us in random ways. Um, that, that that's sort of to me like you know dropping over and open your Bible um, and you know just putting your finger on the page and and hoping God's going to say something uh, to you or to us. I, I don't think that's the way we should operate, especially considering we are we're in a relationship with God. He ought to be able. Uh, to talk to us, and and we ought to be able to hear him talking to us, and and not need again some sort of random uh, communication. But but I know, um, as I've said, there there've been a couple of days um, over the last couple of years that I've been using the the Bible app that um, that that verse of the day it'll speak to me. And yesterday was actually one of those days um, I, I, I've had to read the Bible through several times, at the very least, for my uh, ministerial licensing levels. And so I know I have read every verse in the Bible several times. Um, but obviously I, I don't remember every verse in the Bible. And, and so from time to time, uh, something will... will Maybe it's a message somebody else is preaching or something like this, where a verse that I am not very familiar with is brought to my attention and and it speaks to me in a very, uh, very timely way. And, and I think that's a rhema. I think that's the, the living, uh, the logos, the written word of God becoming a living, uh, fresh word to us. And so, uh, you may have seen this verse yesterday, and and uh, maybe it spoke to you as well. But if not, hopefully, hopefully the Lord will use it this evening to to minister to us as we continue. Again, not just uh, I think it's so critical that we not get caught up in in uh, the specifics per se of this circumstances, um, but that we 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 realize there are things that we can learn through this, that once the, the specifics of COVID-19 have, have passed and whatever the after effects may be, but once that is passed, 
we, we can take away some lessons that, that God has taught us through this time. So the verse is it's found in Psalms 94. And I, I want to read a couple of verses uh, leading up to, to the verse, the particular verse that, that was the verse of the day. Um, so Psalm 94, we're going to read starting with verse number 17. The psalmist says, Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. I'm going to read uh, the Amplified in a moment and uh, uh, a couple of other translations, and they'll indicate this, that the, really the context of this dwelling in silence is, is basically death. So he's saying, if the Lord hadn't have helped me, I, I basically would have died. Verse number 18, when I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. I, I, I know a lot of us, I, in fact, we were, my wife and I were in a group chat yesterday, and, and the person in the group chat referenced the fact that, you know, they're, they're not very quick to ask for help. And I know many of us are that way when it comes to dealing with other people, but I don't think we should be so hesitant or reluctant with the Lord to acknowledge that we need help. And so he says, when I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. And then verse 19, so this is the verse, this was the verse of the day, and and this is the verse that, that again, in, in the context of where we are right now, I, I think it's very applicable, but I also know from from uh, my own personal experiences, and I'm sure you can think of your own as well, that that this verse applies way beyond just the, the moment that we are in right now. And so verse 19 says this, In the multitude of my thoughts, in the multitude of my thoughts, within me thy comforts delight my soul. I, I don't know about you, but I have found myself many times in the multitude of my thoughts. Let me read the Amplified to you, starting with verse 17. Unless the Lord had been my help, I would soon have dwelt in the land where there is silence. Again, next translation, or uh, second translation I'll read after this says the grave. Verse 18, when I said, my foot is slipping, your mercy and loving kindness, O Lord, held me up. In the multitude of my anxious thoughts within me. So these other translations kind of, uh, they, they, they go beyond just the word thoughts and they kind of give a little bit of context to, to what kind of thoughts. And so, in the multitude of my anxious thoughts within me, your comforts cheer and delight my soul. Living Bible says, verse 19, this way, When doubts fill my mind, when my heart is in turmoil, quiet me and give me renewed hope and cheer. And then the New Living Translation, starting with verse 17, Unless the Lord had helped me, unless the Lord had helped me, I, was, I would soon have settled in the silence of the grave. And, and, and maybe in the context of, of the things this applies to us, maybe it's not as literal as death, but, but uh, maybe I could say it this way, I would have soon settled in the silence of, of my defeat, of, of my turmoil, of of the negative circumstances that I was in. I cried out, verse 18, I am slipping, but your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. And then verse 19, when doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. I uh, I don't think I've said this in a in a sort of a public setting in a message um, whether live or uh, these these uh, uh, streamed uh, services and, and gatherings uh, the last couple of weeks, but um, I, I referenced Sunday night the the uh, Conquer series and and uh, taught Sunday night about 
the difference of knowing it and versus believing. And uh, in, in that same video that that statement was made, there was another point that was made in that lesson. Um, and I've shared this with a couple of other individuals that were not uh, in that Conquer series life course that day. And, and the statement was this, that healing is not linear motion, but it is cyclical motion moving forward. It's not linear motion. It is cyclical movement moving forward. And, and, and I think sometimes we struggle, and I think this, is, uh, I, I, this, this, this statement has stuck with me the last several weeks because I've found that it is applicable in a lot of different ways. And, and, and again, the statement was used kind of in the context of healing, inner healing. But, but beyond that, we, I, I think even just simply in our, in our walk with God, in our ministry, in, in our growth and development, as much as we would like it to, we are not on this path that is just steady, constant, forward progress. But it is more so, and, and, and kind of imagine, I don't know, maybe there's a few of you on here that had a, a Hot Wheels uh, racetrack set back in the day. Uh, actually, I think they may still make those some, but um, I, I know for um, when I was a kid, the Hot Wheels and and uh, some of those racetracks were, were kind of the big deal. And, and uh, some of those racetracks I had, they had a loop. And, and so I, I want you just to imagine that for a moment, kind of that loop. And, and, and if you see that car going down the track, it's progressing forward. But actually, as it starts into that loop, there, there, is, a, there is a portion of that loop where it starts to, to seem to go backwards. It seems like it is regressing. The, the direction that the car starts to go is actually facing backwards. But as that loop is finished, you, you come out and you've actually made forward progress. And, and, and that's the context of, of that statement is, 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 again, whether it's healing, our, our ministry, our walk with God, I, I, I have spent a lot of times frustrated because I did not feel that continual forward consistent progress. But there were been times where I felt like I was going backwards and yet you, you can make those loops and keep progressing forward and, and, and keep making progress. And, and, and I, I, I say that with this uh, in the context of this verse that I, I'm not really sure. I, I, maybe it's possible, and um, maybe there are those that have achieved this, but I, I'm pretty sure if there are those, they are definitely the minority because the majority of us, we do not get control of our minds, our thoughts, and maintain constant, complete control. In fact, to me, that's why one of the most common verses that's used for spiritual warfare is really not about demons. It's not about fighting devils. Uh, Paul says that we, we, we take captive every thought. We take captive every thought because, uh, and, and we'll get into this a little bit more here in a few moments. We are, we, we are constantly bombarded with thoughts. They're, they're, uh, whether it's what we read, what somebody says, what we see, um, news we get uh, in the mail or an email or a text message, something is constantly triggering our thoughts. And so uh, we, we, we don't usually have this constant control of our minds. And, and, and that's what David or the psalmist, I'm not sure, I actually tried to find it, I'm not sure if this is a psalm of David or not. So the psalmist says, in the multitude, and, and, and again the amplified, the multitude of my anxious thoughts. <laughs> the multitude of my anxious thought. Not, not just in a couple of anxious thoughts, but in the multitude, or, or as the New Living Translation, the, when doubts filled my mind, not just a few doubts, but when doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. I want to I read to you a little bit here, a couple of commentaries, and, and I think some very uh, powerful, important points that they make uh, on this verse. 
The first one I want to read to you is, is from the biblical illustrator. And it says this, The word here translated thoughts means thoughts of a pensive, anxious nature. Thoughts which have in them nothing bright and pleasant. Thoughts which yoke themselves with cares, which perplex and disturb and, dis and depress us, and which we are not very ready to speak about, but are rather inclined to keep to ourselves. Our text speaks of the multitude of such thoughts. Again, not, not just a few thoughts, but the multitude of these kinds of thoughts. They are not rare and exceptional. They are to be found in all. Nor do they come to us merely at great crisis and emergencies of our life. When something startling wakes, us, wakes up within us slumbering faculties, or when something crushes, when something crushing evokes hidden feelings of our heart. No, such thoughts come to us at all times. Now darting into our mind like a lightning flash, now floating dreamily within our consciousness on some current of ordinary reflection. I, I think, again, my, my burden here uh, to those of you that I pastor is, is not that we just figure out how to get through this crisis. But let's grow. Let's grow in our own relationship and walk with God through this season that we are in right now. And so, uh, but, but let me just use the example of, of the circumstances we are in. I, I would imagine, and, and I think I've experienced this several times now, that, that I'm, I'm going along and, and I've got peace, I've got confidence, uh, I've got confidence that God is in control, that, that, uh, I, you know, I, I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, that I'm under the shadow of the Almighty. A, a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it's not going to come nigh me. And, 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 and going along doing okay, but, but then I, I, I read something on the news or somebody around me says something or get a text message, something related to, to what's going on. And then all of a sudden it triggers this, this, this bombardment of fear and doubt and turmoil in my mind. But again, to, to, to the bigger point here, we, we experience this on a, on a pretty regular basis. It doesn't have to be a crisis. It, it doesn't have to be some horrible situation. It, it, it can be for some of us something as simple as, as, uh, the feeling of a new pain in our body or, or maybe, maybe feeling and all of a sudden discovering what seems to be a, uh, some kind of a growth that, that, that wasn't there. And, and so all of a sudden our minds begin to go or, or, or they began to race with all of the negative possibilities and, and, and the multitude, the multitude, the psalmist said, of, of, of these thoughts. If it had not been for your comfort, if it, if it had not been for you, God, and, and your spirit, when I acknowledge I'm about to slip, God, I'm, I'm going down. If you had not swept in with your loving kindness and, and if you had not gotten, uh, uh, helped me to get control of, of my mind, I, I think maybe a, another, um, and I, I, I guess part of the, uh, significant part of the development of my ministry was was uh, during my years as a youth pastor and so uh, as many of you know object lessons and, and uh, trying to give analogies is is something that is uh, kind of always been a part and so I, I guess think of uh, think of this in the context of a if, if you set a, a cup or a glass, uh, in in the sink and and maybe it uh, maybe it had some kind of liquid in it leftover coffee or or more so a glass and and it's got some kind of uh, remaining uh, uh, liquid leftover tea or soda something that's that's uh, not clear like the water if you start to run water into that glass if you run that water long enough it is going to to completely replace the discolored liquid. 
it, it, it's not going to happen in a moment. It's not going to be a, a, an instantaneous thing. But as, as the fresh water continues to flow into that glass, it, it forces out all of the discolored water and reaches the point where you now are looking at a completely clear glass of water. And, and I think a lot of times this is, this is more so the context of, of what takes place in our minds. That it is not this instantaneous, uh, uh, sudden changing of our thoughts. And all of a sudden, all of our thoughts are now, you know, thoughts of peace and thoughts of good. But, but it is as these multitude of, of doubtful, anxious thoughts have been swirling around in our heads, but then the, the Spirit of God and the Word of God begins to pour into our minds. It begins to push all of that other out. And, and that's what David, uh, the psalmist, was saying. You're, you're, my thoughts, I was in the multitude of my thoughts, but your comforts delight my soul. The, the comforts of your word, the comforts of your spirit. So let me read to you, and this, one, this one's a little bit lengthier, but, but I, I, it's got some really good stuff. So if you'll just kind of bear with me here. And this comes from Barnes Notes. And he says this, the Hebrew word thoughts is, is here is the idea seems to be that in the great number of thoughts which passed through his mind, so many of them perplexing, anxious, burdensome, so many of them vain and profitless, so many of them that seemed to come and go without any aim or object. There was one class that gave him comfort. They were those which pertained to God. In those thoughts, he found calmness and peace. However much he might be disturbed by other thoughts, yet here he found rest and peace. In God, in his source of consolation, and whatever trouble he might have from the cases, of, from the cares of life, and from the evil imaginings in his own mind, yet here his soul found repose. The the old saying is, you can't stop a bird from landing on your head, but you can keep it from building a nest there. And, and that is, in essence, our thoughts. You, you, you cannot stop thoughts from entering your mind. In, in, in a moment, something unexpectedly triggers a thought. Something is, something is said, something is done, something happens. And, and the thought is triggered. And so it, it, it's, it's really not about stopping the thoughts from coming. It's about how long do I let them linger? How long do I let them uh, uh, take hold of my mind? And, and usually the problem is when, when one negative thought stays, that leads to another one and to another one. I, I think a lot of times the devil knows if he can just whether it's condemnation or fear, if he can just get one single thought uh, dropped into our minds, we, we, we'll kind of take it from there and we'll develop it from there. And, and before you know it, we've got all these terrible scenarios that are rolling around in our heads. And, and so uh, we, 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 we get thoughts from all different sources and and, and all different times of the day and night. I don't know about you, but there's times I've I've woken up in the middle of the night and, and, and there's certain thoughts that are in my head that there's no no real um, connection as to where they've come from. But in the middle of all of that, I, I find rest and peace. Again, when I allow the, the, the Word of God and the Spirit of God to begin to wash over me and to begin to wash my mind and, and wash out the cloudy thoughts of fear and doubt. So let me read on here. God was an unfailing refuge. And meditation on him and his perfections made the mind calm. How many thoughts pass through our minds in a single day or a single hour? Who can tell from where they come or by what laws they are linked together? How many of them seem to have no connection with any that went before? How many of them seem to be thrown into our minds when we would avoid them? How many are vain and frivolous? How many are skeptical? How many are polluted and polluting? 
How many come into the mind which we would not for worlds disclose with we would not for worlds disclose to our best friends? How few of us would walk abroad if we were conscious that all whom we met could look into our bosoms and see all that is passing there? What a consolation it is to us that they cannot see it. What a world of confusion and blushes would this be if in the streets of a crowded city or when man meets his fellow man anywhere, all that is in his bosom were known. And yet, in this multitude of thoughts, so empty, so foolish, so sinful, so vexing, so skeptical, so polluting, There are others, there are thoughts of God, of Christ, of heaven, of hope, of faith, of love, of benevolence. Thoughts within us, when the divine promises come to the heart and the prospect of heaven warms the soul. These give comfort, these fill the soul with delight. Happy is he who can find in his bosom amidst the multitude of thoughts within him those which pertain to God to our higher life, to heaven. I, I, as I was reading this just now, it, it reminds me of, of, of many, and, and I can relate from the context of, 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 of uh, some family members. Um, thankfully at this point, not, not, um, not my spouse, my children, or my parents, but grandparents, um, but a lot of other people that I have loved dearly and that have been very close to me who have, who have passed on to their heavenly reward. And, 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 and I think even in the context of that, we, we find ourselves sort of going through this cycle of, of something happens. It's a special day of the year or, or, or something triggers a memory and, and you find yourself saddened and, and feeling sorrow because you're, you're missing that person. But then you, 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 you can start to pull out of that by reminding yourself that, that they, that they have reached their heavenly reward and that, that there's coming a day that we will see them again and we will, we will be reunited. But going back to the statement I, I made earlier, that's, that's a, that's a cyclical motion moving forward. There are days where if you've lost a loved one and, and they've gone on to heaven, you're, 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 you feel good about it, you know, that, that we don't sorrow as others who have no hope. And, and, and you know, there's coming a day when the trumpet's going to sound and the, the dead in Christ are going to rise and we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet them in the air and all that great stuff. And, and maybe there's a lot of days that that's, that's your thoughts and that's what you live off of. But again, uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's set uh, days or events throughout the year. I, I just saw a post of a friend of mine on Instagram a couple of days ago, and, and it was a, a special day that, that triggered for him with his mother, and, 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 and she's gone on to her heavenly reward. And so we, we cycle again. We cycle again. And, and I think, and, and, and I guess this is part of uh, maybe the burden I have this evening, not only in the, in the basic uh, theme here, but I, I want to encourage hopefully some of you this evening that maybe you're kind of living that cycle, but in the midst of living that cycle, you're also battling condemnation because you're not in this steady constant line of progress of faith and confidence and trust but you can find yourself sometimes almost feeling like you're going backwards nevertheless you continue to make forward progress and 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 so uh, i i i know it's the old testament and 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 i know there's things that are you know we're in the new covenant we've got the holy ghost we got all this stuff that 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 wasn't uh manifested in their lives the way it is in our lives uh, but but I, I think the psalmist had a hold of something here. And, and I again, I think all of us, I'm pretty sure uh, I am not alone in the fact that I find myself oftentimes with, with a, a, a whole barrage of thoughts, of, of negative thoughts um, that, that, that just seem to uh, uh, overwhelm me and, and, and eventually, uh, a lot of times, very gradually, 
I, I find that beginning to shift and something is some maybe the Lord will use somebody to speak to me or, or I'll read something in the scripture or I'll remember uh, something I've read or a message I preached or maybe the Lord will just speak a, a completely fresh and, and new rhema and, and, and that begins to, to bring about a shift. The comfort of the Spirit of the Lord begins to, to bring about a change and a shift. Um, and, and if, uh, if out of, I'm sure, the, the many things that God is, is doing right now for the church collectively, but also what he's doing in our lives individually, I, I believe if we could come out of this season uh, with a better grasp that, you know what, I, I'm going to sometimes be lost, if you will, in the multitude of my anxious, doubtful, skeptical thoughts but God is going to comfort me and and if I'm if I'm starting to get overwhelmed if I'm starting to slip as the psalmist said if I will cry out for help his his uh, let me go back to the, the the King James it says his mercy uh the the amplified your mercy and loving kindness are going to help me you know this is this is really to me also in the context of a, of a child learning, a, a toddler learning to walk, there there is no good parent. Uh, it, it, I don't think there's any such thing as a good parent who who scolds their toddler for learning to walk and they stumble and fall. Uh, you, you you don't discipline your child for that. That's a that's a part of the process. And I and I wonder how many things. Uh, that that God considers to be a part of our process of growth and development that uh, we we sort of are expecting him to scold us for it and and the bottom line is if he doesn't scold us and discipline us for our for our tripping and falling we we do a really good job ourselves uh, we we do a really good job with with sort of beating ourselves up. Uh, and, and yet again, going back to the toddler, I don't know of any toddler who ever just suddenly one day stopped crawling, stood up on their feet, and started walking perfectly. It, it was a process. In fact, I, I've watched at times as, as toddlers who, who have started to walk but are still unstable will, will go back to what they're used to and that is crawling because that's what they've learned how to do. They're, they're, they're not really sure of this walking thing yet. And, and so they revert back and, 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 and God is patient. God is kind. God is, God is, uh, 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 uh he, he's got tender mercy. He's, he's long suffering. And, and he knows our frame. He knows that, that we can get overwhelmed with thoughts and, and we can find ourselves in the multitude of our thoughts. I, I don't know about you, but I have found myself, uh, many times lost in the multitude of my thoughts. And, and finally, in the course of time, the comfort in the Spirit of God begins to work, and, and I find myself um, gradually, if you will, uh, uh, coming out of that. So uh, I, I want to transition to the second part, and, and uh, it's not going to be uh, probably a smooth transition per se, even though I, I think there's some things about this, this second part that, that really connect um, in principle to some of the things that I've shared with you so far. Uh, actually, and, and sometimes I, I, I'm, I guess embarrassed would be the word. I'm embarrassed to admit sometimes sort of when <laughs> I feel like the Lord gave me direction because uh, I, I feel like the perception for those that wouldn't understand is that it would comes across as a lack of preparation. But the bottom line is, as I've said many times, I don't just pick what I'm going to teach, preach, talk about, and and I have to wait until I feel like the Lord has given that. And um, the great, uh, the the high percentage of the time, that's that's a day or two before, or a day like today, where this part is is the day of. And uh, er, earlier this morning, the these. 
the Lord, um, he, he, he just kind of brought to my mind, my spirit, Enoch. And uh, I think Enoch is a, is a unique character in the Bible. Um, one of the reasons is because, uh, and especially I will read to you in just a moment, he's mentioned in Hebrews 11, which again is, is what we refer to as faith's hall of fame. But he's a little bit different than most of the other characters, uh, most of the other people that are mentioned in Hebrews 11, because many of the other people that are mentioned in Hebrews 11, it's because of these uh, amazing accomplishments that they had by faith. It, and then others, uh, some of them that are, are not specifically named, but we know what's being referenced. And, and I mean, stop the mouths of lions. They, they killed giants. And, and we got Noah, and we got Moses, and, and Abraham, and, and, these, and these men and women of faith with, with these really amazing accomplishments. But Enoch is, is very different than all of the rest of them because he had no uh, uh, sensational special accomplishments like most of these other characters did. Genesis 5, verse 23. There's really not a whole lot mentioned throughout all of Scripture about Enoch. A couple of times in Genesis uh, and a couple other places, one of which we're going to read again in a moment in Hebrews 11. But other than that, there, there's really not a huge amount we, we, we know about Enoch. But Genesis 5 and 23 says this, all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And then verse 24 says, says something very simple but profound. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. And then Hebrews 11 and verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He was translated so that he wouldn't see death, and he had this testimony that he pleased God. Again, we don't know a whole lot about Enoch. We, we, don't, we don't have chapters and books and, and multiple verses about his life. Uh, and, and, in fact, the verses in Genesis are, are, are really some of the most descriptive verses of, about Enoch in Scripture. And, and it's only two verses, and, and, and it tells us how long he lived. And, and then it says what seems to be very, very uh, simple at first glance, insignificant at first glance. Enoch walked with God. So if we go back to Hebrews 11, he, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So how did he please God? The answer to me is found back in verse 24. He pleased God because he walked with God. I want to read that verse to you in, in two other translations. Verse 24 in the Amplified says it this way. Enoch walked, get this next part, in habitual fellowship with God. And he was not, for God took him home with him. He walked in habitual fellowship. And then the Good News translation says it this way. He spent his life, he spent his life in fellowship with God. And then he disappeared because God took him away. I think you gotta you gotta kind of read that good good news translation that 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 second half uh, kind of in this tone. He disappeared. God took him away. <laughs> I, I that that uh, when I read that today, that reminded me of Evan. Evan, if you're watching, that reminded me of the the grow video and and uh, the answer to. Um, what happens when you stop growing? And Evan just said, dead. <laughs> and, and I just, that, that kind of, I don't know why, but, but uh, that good news translation, I, I think about Evan. He was not gone. You just, just kind of say it that way. Enoch, gone. 
We don't know what happened to him. He just, he sort of disappeared. But, but he had this testimony. He walked with God. I want you to, want you to hear what the name Enoch means. Again, maybe if, just in case somebody's watching and you're not familiar with this idea in, in scripture, uh, names are, are, are very significant. Many names have a, a very significant meaning behind the name. Uh, unlike modern times where a lot of, lot of people just pick a name. It's, it's a family name or I like this name. In, in biblical times, the, the meaning of the name was, was, was significant. And so here's what the name Enoch means. According to Hitchcock's Bible Dictionary, it means dedicated and disciplined. Dedicated and disciplined. I, I, I know that I'm, I'm being streamed potentially to anybody. <laughs> and uh, potentially anyone from anywhere, from any church... Uh, ha, has access to this, but I, I am talking first and foremost to the to the participant to the members of Antioch Central that that God has called me to lead uh, at this point in time. I, I want to challenge you with this because I, I I feel like if we're not careful, we we can get uh, a little bit caught up in this season that we're in. Of, of doing things because we have this time on our hands that, that we can make some huge focus. And I'm talking about spiritual things that we can make this huge focus of doing these spiritual times. But what happens? What happens in a couple of days or a couple of weeks when, when life goes back to whatever normalcy it goes back to? When you go back to work, when when your job resumes, when you're going back to work in 60, 80s hours a week at, a, at work, and I know many of you are, are still doing stuff from home, but, but what happens then? I, 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 I think somehow we can't miss the significance of consistently, day by day, being dedicated and disciplined, walking with God. I I, I think the reason, part of the reason, in my opinion, why there's not a whole lot written about Enoch is from, from, an, from an, uh, an excitement standpoint, there really wasn't a whole lot to write about him. How do you draw people's attention in with a guy who just simply, steadily, consistently walks? You're not going to get a bunch of followers on social media following a guy just because he walks. No, no great miracles. He he didn't kill any giants. He he uh, didn't stop the mouth of lions. He uh, he didn't do any other great accomplishments. He just simply steadily walked with God, and yet he's one of only a couple of men in Scripture that didn't see death because he 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 found this consistent, steady relationship with God. Not, don't don't get me wrong. I, I am not at all saying that that we should not take advantage, and especially those of you that, that that you're home right now. I'm not saying we we should not take advantage of the opportunity and 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 be a little more focused. But if we're not careful, it, it's going to be like New Year's resolutions in the gym. The first couple of days, maybe even weeks after after New Year's. Uh, the Y and and the racquetball club where I go and other other places, man, they their, their membership there it, it goes up, it, it increases, but as time goes on, it dwindles. I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want that to be my experience from this this crisis, where I have this sudden burst of spirituality and 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 all of this goes on, but as I go back to to uh, the obligations of, of my time and schedules and things that I have to do, that, that all of that is just a thing of the past. God is much more impressed, according to the story of Enoch, with our consistent, dedicated walking with Him than He is with some kind of mountaintop experience that lasts for a very brief period of time. Let me, let me contrast and for the next few moments here. Let's contrast Enoch with a, another individual in Scripture. 
the first time, I believe, the well, not the first time in the order of the books of the Bible, but in the first time in the context of, of, of uh, chronologically that he's referenced, it's in Philemon chapter, well, there's only one chapter, so verse 23. It's Paul says, There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristocrus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. The, the, these... These guys were in prison with Paul, Paul's first imprisonment in Rome. They were imprisoned. I believe it's the verse before that, if I'm not mistaken, says that a little more clearly. These guys were in prison. Demas, and that's the individual I, I want to point out here, Demas was in prison with Paul. Pretty good indicator at that point of his dedication, commitment. But we go to 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10, and we find Demas mentioned again. But this time, it's not in a positive context. The first time, he's a, he's, he's a fellow prisoner with Paul. He, he's, he's right there with him. He's, he's side by side. He's partnering with him. He's working. He's supporting Paul. But now listen to what Paul tells Timothy. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatians, to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Demas, he's forsaken me because he loves this present world. Reminds you that Enoch means dedicated or disciplined. Listen to what the, the name Demas means according to Hitchcock's Bible Dictionary. Demas means popular. Popular. Not popular in the context of everybody knowing him. Popular in this context. Demas did what was popular. He did what was popular at first with Paul. He's right there with Paul. This is this is great. This is exciting. But then something changes, and it's not so popular to be in prison. It's not so popular to be doing the, the hard things. It's not so popular to be living a life that that may lead to pain and persecution. And so Paul says he's forsaken me having loved this present world. Let, let, me, let me say it this way, again, in the context of what we're going through. It's popular right now for you to find a place to pray. It's popular right now for you to get your nose in the Word of God. It's popular because we all know the best way to get through this crisis is we need God. But what happens in a couple of weeks what happens when all of this passes? And again, I, I, am, I am not prophesying the future. I, I, I do my best to make it one day at a time. I, I got enough to figure out today to try to figure out what's coming tomorrow. So I, I, I think there's probably uh, whatever normal is is going to be a little bit different, at least for a while coming out of this. Uh, the, the economic challenges alone are, I think, going to result in the fact normal is not going to return suddenly, if ever, the way it was. But, but we're going to go back to some degree of normalcy. What happens then when it's not as popular to pray and it's not as popular to stick your nose in the Bible? What, what happens then? Has this crisis just simply caused a momentary spike in your spirituality? Or... I wonder if maybe some of you, maybe you've been struggling a little bit because in the last couple of days and weeks, you haven't found yourself in this place of sudden increase of prayer and fasting and reading the Bible and all of that, but you've actually found yourself continuing to consistently and faithfully do 
what you've always done. Don't please don't get me wrong. I, I'm not saying that there aren't some seasons. There have been seasons in my life of of, of some intense focus that, that God was doing something. I, I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that there aren't moments or seasons like that. But but I I, I guess in, since this came to mind this morning, I've just been a little bit uh, uh, concerned throughout the day that if we're not careful, uh, we we just can ride the wave of this thing to to uh, to to sort of motivate and 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 believe me as as your pastor, if I'm your pastor that's watching that you know and motivate you to to do some things because of. But, but I got to be honest, I would much rather see you have a dedicated, disciplined, consistent relationship with God. And according to the story of Enoch, that, that really gets God's attention. It's not the Demas who spends some time in prison because he has, it's the popular thing at this season, but now that it's not the Demas and and, and, and there are others that, that we can find through Scripture, and there's other examples we can find around us of people that have they've had these, these, these sensational moments of spirituality and dedication and commitment, but it, it, was, it, was, it just kind of dissipated. And when it was all done, they, they, they were no better off than when they started. I, um, I, I remember... 1988. Some of you will remember this, and uh, I'm, I'm going to share from the perspective of the way I remember it. So, uh, if you were a part of Antioch at that time, or or maybe not Antioch, but someplace else, and and you you were familiar with 88 Reasons, um, I, I'm I'm sharing my story, my perspective. But uh, for those of you that are not familiar, in in 1988 there was a book that came out and. It was 88 reasons why Jesus was going to return in 1988, and the rapture was going to take place in September 1988. And uh, I, I actually had been in, uh, we, we had gone to California to my uncles for vacation, my parents and my brother, and I was 16, I think, at the time. And uh, my parents came back home, and I stayed in California for like an extra week. And uh, the, the way I recall it is the day I flew home, I don't remember what it was, um, but, but it seems to me that actually uh, the way I recall it, I was picked up from the airport by someone, parents, friend, I don't remember, and taken straight to the church. And, and there was some kind of an activity. It wasn't a church service. It was, I don't remember if it was a fellowship, a work. I really, I, I don't remember the exact uh, of what was going on, but there was something going on at the church, and and uh, the way I recall it, the first I heard of this was one of my friends coming up to me when I got there and basically asking me, "Hey, did did you hear Jesus is coming next month?" And I'm like, "What? <laughs> what do you mean?" And so uh, they they begin to tell me, and and I will I will state, I think contrary to uh, uh, what some may say, there there was never. Um, an endorsement. Uh, Antioch never endorsed that. Never. I do know there were people that read the book and studied the book, and uh, some. The the conclusion was simply that they couldn't disprove it, but it was no uh, proclaiming that it was the truth. All of that to say, what I watched over the next several weeks, and I that was like mid-August, and I think it was like September the twelfth was the day that Jesus was going to be coming. Um, in 1988, and so leading up to that, for several weeks, the the the, the church services were full, and and there were I mean there were there were people coming out of the woodwork, so to speak, to church. And uh, what, one of the things that really stood out uh, stands out in my mind from that time was some of my peers who. Um, Really, they came to church because their parents were in church, but they really weren't committed to living for God at that point. But when all of this started going around, the buzz of this started going around, they, they, they got on board and they were concerned that Jesus was coming. And I can remember some of them, they, they, not only would they not leave church until they had prayed, but they became some of the best altar workers 
And, and they would get people to pray. They would make sure their friends had prayed. They would make sure that nobody left church until they were right with God. And uh, as you can tell, we are in 2020 and 1988 passed. And, and many of them, in fact, a great majority of them, as September the 12th got farther and farther in the rearview mirror, they went right back to where they were. I, uh, I, again, I'm, I'm speaking to, <laughs> to those I pastor, and I'm not trying to stir up, cause trouble, but I think it's a dangerous thing when we put uh, a, a lot of weight in a crisis being what's going to change the world. Um, what about 9-11? That had such a major impact on this country and and, and other major crises. What about hurricanes and tornadoes and other things that happen? Uh, th there are those. I know Jude the book of Jude, he talks about some are, are saved by sort of by fear. So I, I realize, but at the end of the day, I believe the challenge is we, we, we need to learn to be not be like Enoch and just simply consistently walk with God. Uh, going back to the, the, the first part of this this evening, that, that really is a part of that process of how do I go from the multitude of my thoughts of, of being anxious and, and, and doubt and fear? How do I go back to the point of a sound mind and, and peaceful thoughts? It's by consistently continuing to walk. And as I continue to walk, the Spirit of God works and changes, and, and I find myself back more so in the condition that I need to be with. So I, I want to challenge you in closing uh, this evening. Don't, don't, let this, don't let this season be some kind of, uh, of, of a thing that causes this, this temporary, sensational, spiritual high. Because it's popular. <laughs> it's popular. And then once it's over, you, you, you find yourself in the condition you were in prior to all of this, or perhaps even worse. One man was rewarded, if you will, to be translated. And again, he just walked with God. I, I, I'm trying to quit here, but I, 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 the, the thing about that is, spiritually speaking, maybe not naturally and physically, but spiritually speaking, Enoch was rewarded for doing the one thing that all of us can do. I, 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 I can't go out and put myself in a condition to have to spend the night with lions. I guess I could, but I'm not. I, I can't make myself get thrown in. I, I can't go find a, a Goliath to slay, a giant to kill. I, I, I can't put myself in some of the circumstances that some of the great men and women of God were in. But I can, and you can walk with God one step at a time, one day at a time, and that's what God is looking for. Lord Jesus, we look to you once again. You are our source. You are our hope. I, I pray, first of all, God, for those that find themselves at the multitude of their thoughts, maybe fear and doubt and anxiety and turmoil. And I pray that you would continue to be our comfort, Lord, that, that not just in the moment, that we're in right now, that this would be something we, we do, but this would be a lesson that we learn. So that once this season we're in has changed and, and we continue on with our lives, we're going to continue to face things that stir up doubts and thoughts and anxiety and fear in our minds. And so if, if we could learn in this season, sort of this heightened season, we can learn that there is comfort in you, there is peace in you, what a great lesson to take away from all of this. And God, I pray also that you would help us. Help us that in the midst of all of the great characters of the Bible that we, we like to use as an example, we preach about, we sing about. But God, help us to, help us to learn to, to use Enoch as an example that we emulate, that we just simply learn every day whether there's crisis or not, whether there's turmoil or not, that 
We don't have to have some special situation that's getting our attention. We just consistently, daily walk with you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for taking the time to join in with me this evening. Look forward to the next time we get to see each other, whenever that may be.